Yolanda Girl. Corey Girl. Hey, Charlie. Hi, ladies. How y'all doing? Good. We're doing real good. Real We're good. back again. And it's April. I am here for these showers because it's going to bring some Mayflowers. Bars. <laughs> Corey. Check me out. Check Corey me out. so yo. much swag. I love Corey. Well, today on the Yes Girl podcast, mm-hmm. we have the Walking Dead's Denai Gurira. Hey, now. Walking Dead. Y'all know that's my show. Yes. We want to get back to that. Yes. Um, and who you got in the love department, Charlie? We have former Essence editor and our love and lifestyle guru, like myself, Miss Demetria Lucas Dewley. Yes. And I'm giving her a shout out because she's from my area in PG County. So DMV Demetria, shout out. Shout and out, she shout was out. on Bravo's reality TV, yeah. I mean, reality show, Blood, Blood Sweat, and Heels. Yep. Does she still always like talks about on Facebook like when people randomly be like Demetria Demetria <laughs> like they know her she's Essence family she is she is <laughs> but now in our Essence family is Deny and Michonne the, Michonne but hey. I have a confession I do not watch The Walking Dead that's okay I've never, I watch enough for everybody I, sometimes I watch Sunday episodes twice so as you guys know we just had the finale mm-hmm. and The Walking Dead like the fans we go hard Mm-hmm. We we have theories. Okay, we think we know who's gonna die. We ha- from the comic books to the screens, we don't play around. And I it was so good on Sunday. Some not everybody was happy. And speaking of spoiler alert, and my spoiler alert is I don't care if yeah. you didn't watch it on Sunday. <laughs> That's your then business. Just turn off your phone, whatever, right now because I am gonna talk about what happened on Sunday. And if you didn't watch it, here it is Thursday. You are late, and you are not a real fan, and you are canceled. <laughs> so on Sunday, on the finale, Michonne deny she had to fight for her life she really did this is the apocalypse as you know on the show Mm -hmm. so every day could be the last day for you i mean and if you could be a zombie like that goes down so michonne Mm -hmm. had to michonne had to fight for her life and she kicked ass y'all she was amazing nice deny is amazing so is that the season finale or that's the show finale that's the season finale it's not over if it was oh my god if it was over i'd still have my kleenex with me right now that show is everything i mean the pace has been weird this year we admit everyone fans are a little bit like come on but the finale you know it came through Nice. And what other was a big surprise? Because I think there was something else that happened. So you guys don't watch the show, but Sasha, another sister on Mm -hmm. the show. Come on, Sasha. She, she, her. Well, not come on now. I know. Well, she was incredible. (laughs) She. (laughs) (laughs) She got work. She got work. She she has a new show, but Mm -hmm. she left The Walking Dead. She had to commit suicide, basically, to save everybody else. So we love her even more. Uh, Sasha. I mean, but it was a tearjerker moment. She literally was in a coffin. Oh, wow. Dying right. while listening to Donny Hathaway. <gasps> What's blacker than that? Nice. Oh damn! So she was it slow motion. They well, you have to see the way they edited it. But she basically was like, again, spoilers. Leave, run, bye. Um, you have to put on that. <laughs> she put on headphones, and you have to watch it to know what was happening. But she was supposed to be hiding in a casket, and she sacrificed her own life to save everyone else to give everybody else a chance. So she had to go, but in a way that was so epic, she will always be remembered on the show. But same thing with Michonne, Denai. She, I mean, both of these sisters on the show kicked ass, y'all. Nice. They were incredible. See, love I want to watch, and I'd love, I'd love to support her from afar, but the blood and the gore it's and too the, much for you. it's too, the, and I know it's fake, I know, but I can't. It is really gory. I mm. mean, there's like zombie guts spilling out on the screen all the time. Mm. But one thing I could get in for a little <laughs> bit was gory. Game of Thrones, Girl. just for a little bit. Which Game of Thrones, G O T, G O T. Which Yolanda is currently <laughs> binge watching. Please tell them why you're never available after eight. Well, first of all, I'm six years late to watching Game of Thrones. Okay, because I've been busy. Confession. I'm raising children. Like yeah. I got a life. So and now I'm on season three watching. I literally have nothing else to do. Don't invite me out. Don't text me after. <laughs> 9 o'clock. She's busy. Do not tweet me, Facebook, or nothing after 9 o'clock because I am watching Game of Thrones. 
I was so shocked because I was out with my broke foot. I love it. And I was on Insta story and I was like, Yolanda is at home. She's supposed to be at this party with me. And Yolanda is like, the nearest. <laughs> Dragon. Well, you know what? I know what you did take a break for, though. What? That Mary J. Blige interview with Angie Martinez. Oh, yes. Because the world, the oh my world, God. the world stopped here at Essence. It sure Hello. did. We were like, wait, Mary's about to. We were like, to... who got the speaker? Put it up on speaker. All the tea. Yo, I got quotes. Okay. Can I read okay. some quotes? Please. Because Mary was not playing. She says, um, you want the, no, she was well, talking about Ken Do. She was like, and with the divorce settlement, he's he wants the lifestyle you're used to living, and you think you're entitled to that lifestyle. Okay? Oh, wow. But that's not it. She says, I don't have any children with you, and I'm not responsible for your family. No, nope, because wow. she's not. Wow. This this man wants like $137,000 a month from her. Mm-hmm. Come on. You, ha- you can't be serious, sir. Well, does he have any legal claim to that? Because, I mean, did he help her? Like, Because he was her manager. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Yolanda, because mm-hmm. one thing that Mary <laughs> said was that because, you know, he has time he was her manager, but she said, I built Mary J. Blige. Okay. Mm. All right. I don't Boom. know if she said Blige like that. Like, yeah. I'm saying it, but she said, I built this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was like, you know what, she right. She is. She and she and it. the only reason we know his name is because he married her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she Angie Mar- did you peep how Angie Martinez said nobody knew about him before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, who was Kendu? Yeah. I I knew I've always known Kendu mm-hmm. as Mary J. Blige's apostrophe S husband. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So to me, when you are who you are because of who you married, and that already was your boost and your upgrade, like Beyonce said, let me upgrade you. Then when we're done, we're done, in my opinion. Nice. But alimony laws probably don't agree. Yeah. But yeah. I still think he's being really greedy. And I I'm do happy respect Mary, though, for being so like, listen, no publicist is going to stop me. Right. I need to tell my truth. And that's why we love Mary. Yeah. And we're all looking forward to her at the Essence Festival. Hey, yes, Saturday. yes, she curating that night. And yes, I'm going to be front is. and center. And one thing I'll leave on this, she's because Angie was like, you know, I, she said, I hate when people say when Mary's in pain, she brings out her best music. And Mary goes, I know. And then but Angie was like, it's a gift. And she's like, and it sucks. Aww. But Mary, we're here for it. We, we love but we're going to support you because I know you want your love. But speaking of love, did y'all love Kendrick's new video? I loved it. Humble? I loved Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. Charlie, Charlie Pan got a face. Ooh, ooh. No, I love Kendrick. And I love the video. I'm not mad Whenever at it. Whenever it starts like that. Okay, go <laughs> Whenever ahead. I have to say, you know, I love them, but, <laughs> but as they say here, but there's always a but. I do love Kendrick, but I, you know, the controversy around the lyric in the song about uh, women Photoshop. just no being photoshopped, photoshopped and, you know, Afro. I'm, y'all, can I just, can I, keep, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. I wear weave. We talked about this last week with Tyrese. I wear a wig. I wear a weave. I'm comfortable with who I am. I like me, first and foremost. My husband likes me as I am. I may or may not use the Instagram filter. I'm just tired of men in general coming for women for whatever. I, I just feel like I know what they're trying to do, but just leave me alone. Yeah. Like, I really just feel like it's, I don't worry about it, but somebody out there does. But I and thought he like, was what, saying, like, no Photoshop. He doesn't want. But what if you like to Photoshop, Corey? Oh, like, I hate gotcha. to represent the other All side, right. right? But, and I'm not saying that I'm, I, I mean, I, I can go to work with no makeup on. I can be photographed with no makeup on. And I definitely got some stretch marks underneath these jeans. But if I did, so what? Like, you well, know, I think like, that's I what he's it. saying, though. So what? I don't know. I feel like he said he was tired. tired. I don't know if he said tired, but he was like, I'll take you as you are. No need to Photoshop. But we're. I thought he said, I'm sick and tired of these. 
Did you no. say I'm sick? Oh Lord, go well, to the rap genius. On, let's yeah, let's Lord. go do that. Go do that. But one thing that Twitter <laughs> was having a field day with was that um, he would still use he still used a Brazilian looking woman. Yeah, woman, it wasn't, it wasn't like, your you know, everyday so. black girl. I just I mean I think I agree lyric. with you. It is time for like men like just pick your hot topics. Don't make beauty one of them. Right. Yeah. Why do you still get to decide what's beautiful? Thank you, Yolanda. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Now the other hot topic this week was and Charlie, I need you to break this down, but quickly. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. The tea is so Hyphen. Uber what Uber Bay? Hashtag Uber Bay. Okay. What happened? Quick and dirty. So this woman is an Uber driver, okay? And she took to Twitter, as we like to Hashtag say. Hashtag side hustle. Hashtag side hustle. Mm-hmm. After her man got up that morning and said he was going to the airport, packed bags to visit his sick mother. Okay, so she says, all right, Bay is at the airport. Let me go get my Uber hustle on. Picks up a woman at the airport. Her first pickup, right? First, I believe it's her first pickup of the day. This woman happened to be going to her man's apartment building. No shade. There are other apartments there. Okay. The girl's telling her I'm in town for a vacation with my man. Has her stuff, I believe, in trash bags and suitcases and stuff in the backseat, but we'll talk about that later. She shows up to drop this woman off, and her man is standing right there waiting to greet his side chick, (laughs) who she just drove to his place. Movie. And she live tweeted the entire thing. And y'all, she was not having it. She wrote off with those that woman's bags. Like it was it was epic. It was, I'm surprised she didn't out. throw them shits out the door. I know. The I love that she kept the bags though. Okay. It sounds like uh, an episode of Insecure. It does. <laughs> That's what they should do with Tasha. <laughs> Can, is can that is that the bank? Is that her name? The banker chair. The banker. The teller. The teller. The teller. It is Tasha, I think. I love Tasha. I don't know. Mm. I just she was got her man. Listen, Tasha, you could be a bank teller and get your man. Shoot. Uber Bay, we feel you. Because if that had happened, I can't even imagine. It was like God and the universe and everybody yep. wanted her to know that her man wasn't shit. I love, I read what this thing where she tweeted, unfortunately, Uber's system doesn't dim- discriminate against side bitches. So oh. it connects you to the closest. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lord. And oh, I have to God. say, she's in some legal trouble for keeping the woman's bags. But I just want to uh, say, sis, we support you. We support Anyone would have done it. We support you, Uber Bay. We too. But now let's get into the support. With Deny. Deny and Demetria. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, y'all. We're here with Deny Jekasai Gurira. <laughs> Otherwise known to most people as Deny Gurira. <laughs> or Michon. Here and there. Here and there. <laughs> yeah. But we love her because she has receipts. She has plenty of receipts. There are a lot. And I'm going to read a couple. Okay. All right. I'm putting in my, my, my actor voice. <laughs> Your first appearance, or her first appearance in The Walking Dead in season three was the most watched drama in cable history at that time. 14 million views. Nice. Number one. Number two, her play Eclipse was the first time a Broadway play has been written, I'm pausing for effect, directed by and cast entirely by women. And can we say women of color? Just women. It was just women, actually. That's still enough. Yeah. That's still yeah, enough. That, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Enough. And that's then enough. women of color as a whole isn't. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh, Major oh. keys. But correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not have two plays at the same time? Look at that. Receipts. <laughs> that would also be The Familiar, which was off-Broadway. She is also written in The Continuum, Familiar, which we just mentioned, The Covert. So she's a playwright, y'all. She has received awards for her playwrights, okay? And then what we're actually really, really excited about is the highly anticipated Black Panther adaptation with the dopest cast and crew on earth. (laughs) 
Chadwick Bozeman, Lupita Yongo, and Arbe. Please hook us up with him, please. <laughs> Michael Bay Jordan. <laughs> and then on top of that, directed by Ryan Coogler. Mm. Okay. Then when she's not working, like in writing, she's doing her charity work. She is president and co-founder of the Amalsi. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Amalsi. Thank you. <laughs> A Zimbabwean American Dramatic Arts Collaborative organization and then she's also an activist with love our girls and what i love about love our girls is that you're reclaiming valentine's day Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later okay so (laughs) denai has said that in her parents native tongue shona her name means to be in love or to love one another we love you oh thank you i love you too now let's go through these receipts (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) one by one <laughs> so I just want to go back, back, um, Danai. Your parents were immigrants from Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. then known as Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. They left during a very difficult time in the country, mm-hmm. um, came to America. Your father was teaching as a professor at a university. Mm-hmm. You were born here. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me about that experience of having immigrant parents who were not as it wasn't as easy for them to go home as maybe some immigrants are today, you know? So tell me about that childhood growing up in that house. You know, it's what's so interesting is that um, I was here for such a short time before we went back. I was uh, born here, like my parents have been here about 20 years, and I was born here right around the 15-year mark. So I literally we left just before I turned six. Mm-hmm. Um and I never really thought that hard about it as a child, but I, I did know that my parents spoke differently. We were in a tiny town in Grinnell, in Iowa called Grinnell, Iowa. Grinnell College is where my dad was a professor. And so, I, you know, I was the only child of color anywhere. Uh, I think there was one other black family. Their children were pretty much grown, though. And uh, I do remember, like... You know, when we were doing the class picture, you know, the yearbook stuff. And my hair was, ex- funnily, it was, ex- I was thinking about it as you talked. It was exactly what it is right now. It was like this, this little fro. And they went through everyone and they're combing everyone's hair just right for the picture. <laughs> and then they got to me and they're like, oh, no, dude, you're fine. You're just fine. You're perfect. Go ahead. I was like, what? Why don't I get the comb through my you're hair? Ready. <laughs> what do people call you? Um, deny or no there, there was another name but I can't use it because then the people are going to start using it I don't want it to be used so I keep it on, on the DL but um, you know some of my older friends it'll slip out yeah. some of my family it'll slip out but it was because they couldn't say Danai properly um, so my parents kind of helped people create a nickname because the, my mom was very specific about how you say Danai I'm not so I just reclaimed Danai and said and try to help people say it if they're interested but otherwise you know they just say it how you see it um, but um yeah, that's why um, they had to give a nickname. My mom just couldn't bear because it's not Danai. It's uh, it's da like it's a it's a D that's only in my language. So it's very tricky to say if you're not Shauna. So how do you say it? Danai. Danai. Yeah, yeah. You can get Natasha can do it. I'm okay. sure. But um, yeah, so it was just this thing where um, I just had I didn't have that many. I felt very normal and connected with everybody in my town. Everyone was very nice to me. I did. I grew up like a little kid would. I had friends. I you know dressed up during Halloween as Big Bird. You know, like those are just these little memories I have. And then we were in Zim by the time I was five. 
almost six years old. Wow. What year did you go back? That was uh, eighty, just around eighty four. So right after independence. Yeah, four yeah, years. yeah. And a lot of people were going back mm-hmm. who had been in the United States, who had been in England, who had been in Australia, you know, different parts of the West. And then they started to all go back and invest in the new nation. Wow. What were your memories of going back? Like, was that your that was your first time? So. Did, I, it, did yeah. it feel like a homegoing? Or? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd been there when I was three. And funnily enough, I actually remember that trip. It sounds weird, but I do. <laughs> um, and I'd had a really good time. Um, I, we were going between aunts and grandparents, and I had a, a really fun time. Um, going back was interesting. Uh, Zimbabwe, English is a very, very widely spoken language. And we were in Harare in the academic crowd because my parents were academics, so... We were in that sort of crowd. And so there wasn't it, we were kind of the other kids in a sense, funnily, because we didn't speak the language well. And, you know, we were you know, we spoke English oddly because we had these American twangy accents. So we were like the kind of oddball kids. But we all made friends and fell into being Zimbabweans very easily. And also there were a lot of other kids who had who had been born in other places that we were around who were also Zimbabwean kids. Um, so we actually all it was actually kind of it was interesting because it was very it integrated very quickly Harare anyway so like the the neighborhood I my parents house is still in was a neighborhood that was whites only before 1980 Mm -hmm. um, as were almost all the neighborhoods that were quote-unquote low density meaning they were kind of basically suburbs as you would think of them here you know where houses had a lot of land around them etc and so those neighborhoods were completely segregated you know as you would know Mm -hmm. during uh, our colonization period and then we because people just started to come back and there was a degree of white flight that happened there there was a lot of opening of those homes and Instantly, there was integration. To this day, there's a white family that live on one side of my house, and there's a black family that lives on the other side. So instantly, interestingly, there was I was in, very much in an integrated, very multiracial community mm-hmm. wow. in Southern Africa. Um, and we were, you know, we it was very, it was actually a very fun childhood. I had quite an idyllic childhood in a lot of ways. Nice. So you come back to the states for college. I'm, I'm like. Ten years, yeah, (laughs) fifteen, yeah, fifteen years past, yeah. And you come back to the U.S. for college, and you're studying psychology, yeah. Um, Now, how does the person who graduates with psychology from college become one of the most uh, talked about actresses and playwrights? And how how does that happen? Uh, you know, I was I was really into theater actually growing up in Zim and had, you know, really got the training and the, the interest and the hunger for the craft in in Harare. And uh, some of my lifelong friends I made through just being a theater geek with them in Harare. And so that was something I always loved, but I never thought of it being something I would actually end up doing doing. And so when I, I said I was going to, you know, probably become a lawyer, I loved L.A. law. Like I was this kid at 10, nine, like nine. 9, 10, 11 years old who was addicted to L.A. Law and watched like episode one episode 15 times and like learned all the legal jargon. And like I was just like and then I thought I'm going to be a lawyer. I actually really, really wanted I realized I just wanted to play a lawyer on TV you know, or whatever. Whoever hired me to play one. But I didn't really want to be one. Right. Oh, um, I? Can we talk before just to sorry to interrupt you, but how L.A. Law in Southern Africa, there was like, <laughs> there was like a few like, it was like five shows, American shows that they would just play over and over again. I remember L.A. Law being one of those shows. L.A. Law was, I mean, there were a lot of them, though. I mean, they played Dynasty, Dallas, oh, yes. the Colbys, Falcon Crest. 
uh, Melrose Place. Um, what else was? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a lot of LA Law. Uh, <laughs> my God, there were a lot of shows. They didn't play the Cosby's or you know, or Family show. Ties wow. or mm-hmm. things like that. Or yeah, or yeah. even like comedy shows. Those yeah. you generally you had to find. You'd get when someone would come to the states and then they'd record it on a VHS yeah. <laughs> and they'd come back to Zim and you'd have they, everyone would watch the same VHS. Like oh God, there's all these great comedies on this um, in Living Color. Yes. They didn't play that. Nope. Always have to wait till for friends to did go. It, did, they, did they play Martin? No. no, they did. They did. Oh, not in Zim. Was, in oh, Zim, they Zim, played yeah, Martin. Well, they did. And I remember we would crack up about Martin in high school. That they played. Okay. It's interesting. Random, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a, we had a lot of, of Western exposure, actually. And uh, we were listening entirely, almost entirely to, to hip hop and R&B. What was this first show you booked or first moment you were booked as an actor here? Oh, goodness. Because I was in an academic track. So I did go to grad school and I mean, undergrad. And I was like, psychology, psychology, psychology. It was in your town Mm -hmm. or your country. It was in Cape Town where I decided I had to devote myself to this craft because I knew it was my true love. And then for me, of course, my type of brain, it's like I've got to go get all the training I can first, learn the rules so I can break them. So I wasn't trying to be a um, professional, professional actor until I was in my own, went through my own incubation, you know, and that, so I went to grad school first here in town at Tisch, mm-hmm. and then I guess I started to audition and kind of get out there. I was doing, I had done some other acting gigs before, but I think I, I really only think of myself as having started my professional career once I'd gone through my own apprenticeship. And I don't say everyone needs to go through grad school like I did, but I just think that everyone needs an apprenticeship of some sort to like incubate and connect deeply with, firstly, understand your demons and then learn how to at least manage them. And then, you know, know what what your voice is, learn what your voice is. So when you step out there, because it's not always a warm and cozy world, (laughs) when you step out there, you know who you are. And so that was definitely a process I felt I had to go through. So it really was after that. I mean, I feel like the first show I thing I booked was this play called The Story, um, by an awesome playwright called Tracy Scott Wilson, which was uh, out of Philadelphia Theater Company. I think that was um, that was the first thing I booked out of grad school. Wow, cool. nice! Um, I have a quote by you. I love it. It's on your um, on the website for Love Our Girls, and it says, "As an actress, I have the good fortune of being able to play a complex, strong, and flawed woman. As a writer, scripting narratives is my act of resistance, my way of bringing that unheard." African female voice front and center and allowing it to manifest its astounding value. I love that. So what, how many more African stories are in you? Because you're telling such rich and nuanced ones. Do do you feel like there's a thousand more? And tell us about the, um, is there a consistent narrative between the plays you've written? Uh, yeah, I think definitely. Um, firstly, yes, I wish there were three of me. I really do. And I would lock one of me away just to write because I have so many stories that I want to get out there. But, it, you know, they, it requires it requires creating, putting a story out and really becoming a, a, a worthy vessel as I look at it, becoming a worthy vessel of, of being the, the, the one who births a narrative. It requires incubation. And so that I just wish I had one of me to just put in an incubator all the time. But, yeah, there are 
lot of stories in me that um, some of which are in development and some of which um, I still I have to put on the page. Um, and um, yeah, there's definitely a thread. The thread is the, exactly that. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that the African female voice is is front and center. And it's not hard for me to do that. It's like, you know, folks are like, oh, but, you know, they ask about that particular focus. I'm like, well, no one asks Scorsese why he writes about white dudes all the time. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what he does. It's who he is. It's natural to him. It's close to him. This is what's close to me and natural to me. And also what, yes, I feel a calling about it. I feel a struggle in it. I know I was born into a struggle being born black and female, but the struggle is not one. I also feel a great deal of hope because I think that our narratives are more and more breaking through. And um, and I feel like I, you know, I owe it. I have a responsibility to, to see the visions I have for stories to the end because it doesn't just bless me. Yeah. It blesses many, I hope. So that is something that is uh, very much what I know I must get done as I, you know, live and breathe. And um, yeah, the, 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 the through line is that voice, that, that woman, that girl as the heroine, as the, 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 the conduit of the story, as the protagonist, you know, which is something I didn't see a lot growing up and I didn't understand why because marginalization makes no sense. No, I want to say it right. Dan, yeah, Danai. South, South Africans hit that D hard. Yeah. You guys go Danai. And I'm Danai. Like, but it's not that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, nah, nah. We'll work Danai. on it later, girl. It's a it's lot of work. Danai. I appreciate the wow, effort, though. I do. I so appreciate it. Beautiful. Well, going back to characters, Michonne was, I know, started as a comic book character. Mm-hmm. And now it seems, I won't say there's a resurgence of black female comic book characters, but it seems that there's a lot more attention played to it, especially because of Black Panther. What can you tell us about Black, Black, Black Panther? <laughs> quiet. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, I'm very excited to be a part of that. I mean, I still Mm -hmm. kind of pinch myself, you know, that sort of being a part of a story, a superhero story coming from the African context is just, I, I, I think it's unprecedented quite honestly. And so, and actually being something that's Marvel, you know, from the Marvel family, I think that to me, I'm still, I'm just excited Mm -hmm. that it's happening at all. And then I'm like, what, I get to be a part of that? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm still pinching myself about that but um you know it's 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 really exciting i mean i can't go into what i know exactly but i just so respect and admire mr kugler and he's just so he's so impressive i should have gone back can you tell us your character's name and what you do um yes my my character's name is okoye and she is the head of of mr black panther's army and uh, yeah, done. It's, it's wow. a female. Army. I'm there. <laughs> so apparently, apparently, she fights second only to him in the kingdom. Her oh, fighting wow. skills. So I'm like, woo! Let me get ready for this one. Yes. <laughs> but wait, is it easy because you've already got this massive training from Walking Dead? Like, well, you know, the thing is, I I kind of want. I, I definitely want her to have her her own thing going on. I don't want her to at all be influenced by uh, by Michonne. So it it has been. I have been. You know, I've been training with a trainer that is killing me right now. He's yelling at me. But it's really because I want to um, I want to de-plateau. I want to go to a, a whole other place physically for her, you know, that is different from the place I've grown into through playing Michonne for the first for the fi- past five years. All right. Last question about it, because I know you're a Comic-Con regular. 
<laughs> what did, what was describe San Diego when y'all came out? Because it wasn't it like a surprise that you guys would be there this time? Uh, I think it was. I don't know if it was a surprise that we would be there. I think everyone else had been leaked except for me. So they had mm-hmm. they had leaked. Um, you know, Michael. They had, of course they knew about about yeah, Chadwick, Chadwick. Mm-hmm. and then they leaked Lupita. So the only person that had not been leaked was me. So I think, but I think they knew we were coming out, but it was really exciting because people are really pumped. I mean, of course, Chadwick did such a brilliant job in the Civil War film. So people are really, really pumped about it. And uh, it was a really awesome reception. I, and I, I'd just been in the same hall for The Walking Dead the yeah. day before. So it was very interesting. Like, this is, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess Comic-Con is my home now. I'm yeah. cool with that. I love y'all. I was like, there's such an amazing crowd of fans. It's really awesome. You must pinch yourself a lot because, I mean, there's just been so many moments in your career that have just been, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've done a million interviews about playing Michonne, but I'm sh- when I look at it, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, and then the reception, the way people received your character and your, your acting in it was just phenomenal. But I do want to get a feeling from you what, what it still means to you, like, you know, to be, you're playing Michonne, this powerful woman, you're about to play another powerful woman in Tupac and in uh, Black Panther. Tell me about what, what the dialogue that's happening inside your head. Uh, no, it, it is really, um, it, it, you, it, is, it is kind of mind-blowing. And I, I, feel, uh, um, I feel insanely blessed. I can't even put that to words, how, how blessed I feel by that. And, um, and, you know, I can't put my finger on exactly, you know, how it's, it's culminated to those things. Mm-hmm. Like when I got the call about the Marvel movie, I was like, well, what? What? <laughs> Y'all kidding? What are y'all tripping about? You're making the stuff up. Don't play with my emotions. Like, you know, I was really shocked by that. And I was amazed that that was coming my way. You know what I mean? So what I what I do feel is that with that, with those types of blessings come responsibility um, to not only encourage others, but, um, you know, to to set, you know, a good example uh, with what I do with the work I've been given. And so and I to pursue excellence, really, because I understand that there's a lot of astounding which is what I love about writing is that there's so many astoundingly talented black women out there that don't often get the opportunities that they could or they should. Like there's some women I'm like, man, like your talent, like if I think about you, if you were a different ethnicity, you would be like, you know what I mean? And I see that a lot in the pool of women I know in my field. And so it is something I feel, I feel the responsibilities I feel actually just deepen because I, all I'm thinking about is, and I so love that. I love seeing, you know, the women, of Eclipsed getting those Tony nominations. You know, women like Pascal Armand, who's been grinding at it for a long time and is a stunning artist. And then she got that platform. And now she will always be a Tony nominee. You know what I mean? And she and that sort of a thing to me is is what makes me the happiest, honestly. Is so it's like with the I with you know opportunity that you receive comes responsibility uh, to really make sure that you're helping create paths for others because we you know there's no reason pascal she could have gotten that toy knob 15 years ago because she's crazy talented and crazy crazy craft crazy craft she has but you know it's it's about the opportunities have to be there so i just feel called to do more when i get when i get these opportunities myself speaking of being called to do more um i saw eclipse i loved it and it was very emotional but what i was trying to i held my tears but when the actresses (laughs) came out and read the real names. Mm. That's when I was, I just fell out and mm. just started crying. Like it was just full on. Like mm. so, 
doing that, bringing, I mean, mm-hmm. there was the play is already, I know it's fictional, but I know, but it's definitely set in reality. Mm-hmm. But then having that moment and going, what you just said about responsibilities, I guess I'm leading mm-hmm. into talking yes. about, did that spark Love Our Girls? Was that something you already were working on? And what is the purpose of it? You know, uh, the the whole point also, uh, you know, people say, are you, uh, your plays are all political. I've been asked that a lot. And to me, the word political is something I dissect quite a bit because I'm like, okay, these women don't think of themselves as political. They're trying to live a life. And so we slap that title on them from this very, you know, comfortable, detached perspective. But they're not trying to represent all these categories. <laughs> these women are just trying to get through their day mm-hmm. and trying to actually, you know, aspire. And so, um, yeah, when I when I create... Um, I'm always looking to the problem. The thing is, the reason why they look political is because, yeah, I'm fr- I'm, a, I'm an African woman. I'm a black woman. So our stories tend to fall into that category from that realm alone. Uh, but, yeah, I when I when my heart is pulled at to tell a story and it's about what happens to women and girls in war. Where are their stories? Why do I know Charles Taylor's name? And I didn't know the names of the women who actually stopped that war. I didn't know Lema Gaboy's name. I didn't know Edwida Cooper's name. Why don't I know? Why didn't know Julian D's name? Why didn't I know their names? So it, it really was that sort of a thing that that outrage I often create from outrage, that outrage, or at least I start there, I love uh, that. that builds in me. To say this doesn't make any sense. And then I start to look into the story and look into the, these very, you know, amazing human beings and fascinating, complex human beings that never have their stories told. So then it's, it tends to fall into something political. But I am trying to give voice. My first play was about uh, the experiences of HIV through the realm of a woman in Zimbabwe. And I was like, yeah, I'm tired of just seeing a statistics. I grew up in Zim in the 80s and the 90s. I saw that epidemic hit and it didn't hit statistics. Those were individuals with lives and plans and ideals and concerns and complexities. Why don't we see that? Why do we just hear these stats from Reuters? So it was very important to me to put a face to it where you you got to know a personality. But as a result of those things, yeah, it results also in the fact that these are issues that need attention. And so I start to connect to the HIV AIDS issue and to, you know, working in an activist realm around it or the issue of women and girls and the fact that this is not, it's not just a story. This is happening. And the idea of giving those girls name, giving those girls voice every day was uh, something that came about. I work with the one campaign. Um, I'm an ambassador with them and they um, are amazing. Bono and his team, they're just the work they've done and the way they go at it. So through them, I actually met a man who works very closely with the love of the bring back our girls, girls. Mm-hmm. And he has brought 12 of the girls, the 50 or so who jumped off the trucks that night. Wow. He's brought them to the U S and, and put them in school in a safe way, wow. uh, largely in the DC area. So uh, I've been, we've been connected and he would come and bring a couple of the girls to watch the play and we we retained a connection that way and he would speak sometimes after the shows and it was really about this is a living issue and I was like if I'm going to put my play on Broadway if my play is going to be on Broadway it's not there for me to get accolades it's not there for me to you know say look I got a play on Broadway not that that because that's never really been a goal of mine anyway the goal is to give voice as much as I can to those who never get to to be heard Mm -hmm. so uh when he would you know, do he, he actually came up with the idea. He said, because I was like, how more, how do we make this play as much of a platform, a living platform of activism as possible? How do we do that? And um, 
he came up with the idea. How about we, those 219 girls, now 218, who are still missing, who are still in a state of Mm. abduction, let's speak their names every night. And I just thought that is, I was done. And so we started to do that. And it was something that, you know, we, um, I asked Bono to do the first one and he came up stunning rock star that he is. He came up with this amazing idea. So, you know, it was so collaborative because mm-hmm. when he first did it and he read what he was we were going to do, he said, I want like like a rock star would. Let's have the audience speak, speak it back. So it was a call and response. So the audience who'd been sitting, theater is so about sitting and it's very, you know, in its very Western tradition. You sit and you, you mainly keep quiet. Don't talk. Don't laugh too loud. You know, keep it together. And then at the end, you clap and you leave. But the beauty is, he said, let's have them speak the names of these. And to have an audience actually voice the names of girls who are real and who are going through hell right now. I mean, that just it just it allowed that space to open up in a whole other way. And then we, um, you know, we have the information of how people can be connected. And that's all Love Our Girls is, too. Uh, Love Our Girls is all about creating an awareness hub because you can't even care if you don't know. So Love Our Girls is like, let's just give people some knowledge. Let's give them some awareness so they actually care about what's happening to girls across the planet. And and realize, and, and, and I, you know, I want to share my outrage, actually. That's my whole goal. Like, let's all be outraged because it is an outrage that this many girls are still abducted, that this many girls are still not able to go to school because they're girls, that 40,000 girls a day become child brides, like all these different things that the number of adolescent girls on the continent that are contracting HIV is three times the number of boys, you know, and it's not from things that they're choosing. You know what I mean? There are things that we really have to I'm just trying to get the eye to look at it because I do believe, like with apartheid, Americans, once they knew about it, they started to mobilize around it. And so, you know, you can see what happened even and films did that. Cry Freedom helped with that. You know, there are films that actually brought an awareness. Sarafina being performed at the Lincoln Center down the road helped with that. So it is about there is something powerful, I think, in, in bringing a story to the minds of those who actually do have power to make a difference. You know, in Toronto, um, I went to the Toronto Film Festival and Anjanou Ellis was talking about mm, um, I love know, her. birth of a nation, whatever, mm. and the challenges it's facing. But she was saying that for her, and we have to remember as, well, she was speaking as African-Americans, that mm-hmm. our art, we used art as messages. Like when you would hear it, when slaves would be singing in the fields, it wasn't because mm-hmm. like, I'm going to waste the time today. With, we mm. were like, we were sending each other messages or mm. when we were marching on watches, march on, marching on Washington, mm-hmm. those songs meant something to us. So she said, art has always been our way of messaging things. Mm-hmm. So um, we so appreciate you using your art to give us that message. But well, I think you. we want to have a little fun right yeah. now. <laughs> well, I do want to say thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Gurira. <laughs> they did an amazing job. But I uh, were you was your family, you know, I come from an activist family and I wonder when I sometimes talk to you I'm like, "Whoa, somebody, some people in the home, that community <laughs> was very fired up." Well, you know what's amazing and you know, I I I know I did not grow up in a typical uh household in the sense that well, definitely not typical in 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 my country. Let me put it that way in the sense that I had a father who was 
really a-okay with his daughter screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> you know? Which is not common no, in Africa. No, it's not. And really, it was a home, because, I mean, you know, we could say many, whatever reasons attribute to it. He'd been here 25 years. He was an academic, whatever it was. But he had three daughters and a wife who had very strong minds and very strong opinions. And he never got in the way of that. We, I felt, so in that home, my voice was validated. And my concerns were validated. And, and you know, I wasn't spoiled, I don't think. But it was really about you. if you had an argument, you wanted to debate a topic, let's do it, you know, and that, let's have that conversation. Let's let, And it was largely we were concerned. My parents were focused on global issues. We had a picture in our home, my whole life still there, of Martin Luther King because he'd signed it for my mother when she'd met him um in the 67 and when she was at college. So, you know, that's that and all of his books and books of, you know, all these books were in our house from, you know, Alex Haley to James Baldwin, you know, to Toni Morrison. Those those were my mom's a librarian. Those were, were on our shelves. So I was connecting oddly, actually, to the American struggle for in, in the, the black American struggle in Zimbabwe. But it was also connected to, you know, I was connecting to the struggle. And so, you know, it, there was something about being in an academic home I think that helped me but also just having a father because we know how patriarchal our societies can be but having a father who's like have at it you know and so you walked outside and I was this loud mouthed little African girl folks like why do she think she can talk like that I'm like well who gave her how that I right? talk <laughs> And I got stuff to say, and I have concerns, and I have opinions. And you better listen and sit down and <laughs> yeah, hear it. Yeah, sit down and, and listen. Let's spar. I loved to spar. Mm-hmm. I was like, bring it. I'm not trying to silence you, but let's let's hash it out. And that's I, a friend of mine reminded me of that. I've been like that since I could talk. Okay. Uh, there's something about. I love it. I think it was something about how my dad opened up that that sort of. He allowed that in a sense, and like a lot of dads don't. Yeah. 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 By the way, I know a lot of people are not here, but Denai is just a vision oh, of yes. beauty. Oh, stop. My goodness. Stop. This royal blue. Wow. Royal and then blue. the hair is like, it's like fruits and berries. <laughs> <laughs> the hair From looks, Zamunda. <laughs> the hair looks so healthy and good. Oh, thank you. You're sweet. I do use fruits and berries just like, what was his name? Coming um, to America. Oh, just fruits. Amanda? Yeah. You know, what was his name? Hakim. Oh, Hakim. Hakim. Yeah. Hakim. Just like Hakim, I use fruits and berries. Exactly. Speaking you of Prince funny. Hakim, uh, we do want to ask you some quick, quick questions about just, yes, just the, uh, the other deny that's, you know, not... Um, not so serious and dreary. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say dreary. Oh, no. Not no. at all. Um, when you're that, not an outrage. When you're not... <laughs> right? When you're chilling <laughs> on a Sunday in L.A. <laughs> um, what, what movie... Is there any movie that you've seen like a thousand times? You know the words, it's but... Too time, it's too embarrassing. It's too embarrassing. Really? No, it's too embarrassing. You'll think, oh my gosh. No, I love Dirty Dancing. I do. <laughs> like, it just makes me happy. She's like, I can't say it, but here it is. <laughs> it so does you know I, it's just like fun and like oh and coming to America too I mean those are movies where you just like you know you just like you, you don't want to think a lot but you want to be you want to be entertained in the, in, the, in the best way and I think those movies are actually really well made for what they were supposed to be you know as I say they were they accomplished what they were proposing you know and so I love movies like that when I just looking you're just looking to just you know uh, chill out I also do love Jerry Maguire I can't lie yeah, yeah. I also, do yeah. I love House Party weird. 1 too oh, I 
love it. What? <laughs> I could watch that. I feel like Dirty over. Dancing probably reminds you of like a certain time in your like teen years. No, I was a kid. You were I a kid? I don't even know why. I was a kid when it came out. Uh, I just love the dancing. The thing, and yeah, the music. The music is the music ridiculous. Is really, yeah. That is a fantastic I love soundtrack. When Patrick Swayze, like, really and gets that into man it. could dance. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you all know you want to be lifted up like know, that I in know. the freaking lakes. Well, that's Stop why it. in a Crazy Stupid Love, that moment worked between. Oh, um, I loved that yes, scene. Yes, that's also yes. a really. I, I actually did watch that movie a few times. Uh, when I was in Zimbabwe one time, I got a bootleg DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait! FBI doesn't. It was a screener. It was a screener. It was a screener <laughs> in Harare. <laughs> listen, listen. It's awesome. Folks are watching it there. Man. So, what, what's the craziest or what's the most random thing you've Googled in the last couple of days? Oh, oh! I'm queen of random Googles. <laughs> God. Oh goodness, I'm not sure. Have I Googled in the last couple of days? You got to guide me. What's the last thing you did? I think I Googled. It was like um, LC. Oh, you know what it was? There's a commercial, an Apple commercial on TV. And I I Googled the song, I Will Follow Apple Commercial. Oh. So I saw it on TV and I was like, oh, that song is so good. They do have good songs. They have really good songs. That's how I found out about Alabama Shakes. That song, uh, Sound Sound and Color. Uh, mm. Well, I mean, I just mine is going to be dreary again. I'd seen some court case about a woman who her dreadlocks. She they were saying she had to take him out for work. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I was like, judge said, what? Yeah. Outrage! 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 dot com. dot org. dot org. All right, you're right. You're right. Who is the last Instagram or Twitter account you followed? Oh wow. Or what wow. is? Wow, the last one, the most or recent most recent one. Um, you know, I still haven't, I still don't get on Instagram yet. Like, I don't really get on it much. Um, I'm learning. Um, Twitter. I think I'm now following Hillary, oh. and I, fo- I'm about to start following Cory Booker. About like are you you're judging? I just have to get on. No 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 no. Oh, I'm not judging. No. I actually saw him speak on Sunday, and I think he's fantastic. Um, I think he's great. It's like he brings hope and love to the message in a way that I think is really actually healing. Okay. To our people, which okay. I think is really special. But um, no, I I just haven't gotten to my phone to do it to, yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. My phone shattered the other day that I was in Apple Store for four hours, and so I'm just like all getting yeah. it back together. Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>? <laughs> Yeah, one drop, boy. Oh, man. What's the first thing you do every morning? Well, my brain floods with thoughts far too quickly. I try to spend some time spiritually, but then sometimes I just don't. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, do it every morning. You know you have a better day if you do it. Um, But then sometimes I, I, you know, I jump out of bed and I'm like, you know, uh, it's really funny because I can jump out of bed like the speed of light when a lot of things get like I'm like. I'm going through a ton of things I need to do. And then I'm like out of bed like a shot. Like it's like, how was I just sleeping? <laughs> it might be weird to the eye. Like yeah. what the heck just happened? <laughs> but it's just because my my brain just starts to go in four directions and I just have to get some stuff done. But like generally I like to spend some time spiritually first, you know, in meditation and prayer and things like that. And then I can actually center okay. and remember what's important and have things come to my mind as needed some things need to flood to the front 
that you have to give them space to get there. And they might not be the more obvious things that you would think of as you're going through your to-do list. Like get in touch with that person, check in on that person, make sure that's going okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like to give that space, but I don't always do it. So it's a discipline. I'm. It's a practice and a yeah. discipline I'm still working on. Okay. Pray for me, all. Yeah. <laughs> What's the first thing you do when you get home? Should I say that on the podcast? Um, <laughs> we all do it. What, is it the strip down and go into the oh. cozy robe? That's what I do. I told Yolanda, I was like, I step over my threshold and I'm like, get this bra Yeah, off it's me. all off. It starts suffocating. Yeah, me. it's yeah. gone. Sorry. All the, all the, you know, the, Sorry, the, those shackles around the, the, you know, around the girl. Um, all of it just goes. And then I just put on that. I am a robe fiend. I have like seven <laughs> robes. And like whenever I can, like if I find it at a hotel and they, they, they have oh, a really, yes. really good robe. And I'm like, oh, come on. I can't. I can't leave it. I have to like go buy one because like seriously, I love robes. So my most recent one is it's it, she's at the top of the pile. Like so, so soft. Okay. Soft. She's that feeling it. It's so you soft. Guys, it's, I put it on uh, and yes. you're like, oh, then I'm just good. Then it's good. Who's your best friend? Oh, I have a I have a gaggle of best friends. You know what I mean? I don't know if I just say one. I have like, there are like five people I would have to mention. Should I do all five? Yep. yep. Um, well, Susan Kalitsi Watson, Watson, who's on, she's on that new show. With uh, Sterling K. Brown. Oh, she's. Uh, oh, this is oh, this yeah. is us. She plays yes. his wife. I didn't yes. even make the connection because I used yes. to see her on the Louis C. K. Yes, show. Yes, oh, okay. yes, yes, yes. She's an amazing woman mm-hmm. and one of my absolute besties. Um, we went to grad school together. And another friend of mine, Janique Rich, she's uh, completely in another field entirely, which is awesome. She's more of a uh, business thing, sort of chick. She, 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 like she went to reality? Wharton. She went to Wharton. Oh, wow. Nice. She's, yeah. She's major. Yeah. Always have good to have one of those oh, in your squad. Oh, she's my consultant. Nice. You know, she has the answers quick. Nice. And she sees things so differently from me. <laughs> and then I have another great friend called Jill, another great friend called Sydney, who's also very much a consultant. And sometimes if, if, my, if my PR aren't around and I'm at an event, she pretends to be PR and people believe it. She's back there she's going, wrap it up, wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, she's tall and, you know, authoritative and blonde. And like, she, people are like, yeah, so can we take her? She's like, okay, but, um, you know, just make sure. I'm like, this is my buddy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then my friend, um, one of my besties is also um, Andre Holland. Oh, I love Andre. Oh, he's so... I am risk... Tell him I am personally risking scary dreams to watch him in American Horror Story. (laughs) Yes, and and right? I'm scared too, but I'll do it for him. I'll do it for him. (laughs) Yeah, he's fantastic. He was a a couple years behind me in grad school, so we were all like in grad school together. Went through the trenches together. Love it. Well, I do have one more question. Okay. Ghana Jollof or Nigerian (laughs) Jollof? What? Yes. She's not even looking What's at us. What's the difference? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't get me in trouble with either of those people. Especially not the Nigerians. I am not African, but I'm like, shade? <laughs> Firstly, I love Ghanaian food and I love Nigerian food. They have a lot more variety than us, right? Way more variety. What's that about? Because I'm like, I thought I was, is it the climate down yeah, south? Yeah, maybe it's the maybe? climate. Like their food is Well, I think, so... I think it's because, you know, we were colonized for longer. That's you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. We, got, we got a little yeah. whitewashed. Yeah. I'll just our say. Food was for, a lot of our food was for survival. You know, like, the, like uh, 
pop or like certain foods that especially South Africans it's like no we have pop too we call it sadza but it's the same thing yeah some of it some of it was because people threw it out and we used it and we ate and we made you know not pop but like there's certain other dishes that are what is is pop pop is is it like a ham hop you need to go to Madiba pop is like the closest (laughs) thing is grits Oh, closest. Okay. It's but not it, like, similar, or, or but like it's polenta. Kind of, yes, you're right. Okay, polenta because cool. it's because it's harder. I mean, they, oh. sometimes these guys crumble. South Africans crumble it up. Yeah, I don't call get it that. putu. But yeah. we <laughs> and we eat it with milk. <laughs> we, it's very rare. Yeah, we we ours is more like I mean, you know, like West Africa does it too. I'm um, not West Africa, East Africa. Um, they they have another name for it, but it's like it's sort of like a it's like a lump. Like it's like it looks like just a mound of of white, mm-hmm. or you know, if it's not refined, then it's a little less white. But it's a mound, and you can break it off with your hands and like dip it into a gravy, dip it in, eat it with oh, some greens or something. Okay. But it literally is just cornmeal and water but then it's just made at a very specific consistency because there is an art form to making it man and I can't do it and that's a shameful thing for a Zimbabwean girl to admit I will never get to learn how to make collard greens really good we're also all into collard greens that's a big thing for us Mm -hmm. okay Okay, what's the difference I have no idea (gasps) but I was asked to ask you (gasps) by who as a famous African (laughs) wow we'll talk about from Southern by the by, this is no. Let me tell you, the problem with Western Africans—they about... think we should know all their stuff, all this, but they don't yeah. know our stuff. They don't know. If you said, if I sat down with a Ghanaian or, or a Nigerian and said, "Okay, guys, talk, talk to me about pop. exactly," I don't know. I tell them that's what I said. What's the difference between sunset pop? What is sunset or pop? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we've just enjoyed um, spending time with you, um, and just wish you the best as the you know Thank next you. year, twenty seventeen. Onwards and forwards, just you're you're a shining star and really a great representation of us. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate y'all Thank doing you. this. Yeah. This, is, this is awesome. I'm going to be listening to everybody. It's yeah. great to hear people. Now I'm going to be watching Dirty Dancing like, oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> With new eyes, y'all. I think they're making a live version. I, I don't know about that. Listen, <laughs> that original... You know, with Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze, yeah. man, that mess worked. Jennifer before her nose job. Oh, oh. that was wrong. Mm. That was wrong. Listen, I'm signing off. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Up next, more Yes Girl to come. Oh my gosh, Denai gives me so much life. So much. I love her. Gurira. My, my little walking down dead fan heart just exploded. She's so great. I can't wait to see her in Black Panther. Yeah, she's going to kick ass. And also, mm-hmm. even before that, we're going to see her play Afini Shakur. Yes, I, I just want to see her it. play everything. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. <laughs> amazing. Get it, Denai. She's so talented. Um, but you know what? I love also our website. Hey, now Squarespace, Squarespace, and you know we are good for creating a website. Girl, you know how many domain names I own? And I love yes. Squarespace.com because you can actually just buy your domain name from anywhere you buy domains yes. and put it right on your personal website easily on Squarespace.com. But I I buy domain names like it's my job. I'm not yeah. telling y'all which ones I have yeah. and what's on my mind, but if something great comes to my mind and I want to be creative and really own my own space, I buy it. Do you is, guys do it? Is Squarespace really that easy? Because I, so I easy. want CoreyMurray.com, but... Yes, Corey, you can go to squarespace.com easily within minutes, set up your account, use code yes, as in yes, girl, get 10% off. So I suggest you go run and do them. And it's so easy. I mean, you can do whatever kind of website you want, a portfolio, a blog. I mean, I I use it. I told you guys last week, I'm going to keep saying it. It's so easy. Um, I set it up on my own in like 10 minutes. I did not have to call a friend who was super tech savvy. I just set up charliepen.com and it's easy and it's good. It was seamless, the user friendly. So, so I can make my next move. 
with, with Squarespace. Squarespace. You can. Yes, you they can. They have all these beautiful templates, 24-7 customer service. You get what you need. You have a question. You can do this at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Because let's be honest. We all work at like all hours of the day and the night. So sometimes well, I get I'm around busy, to me. Oh, oh, watching. Okay. Watching. Yeah. Okay. Game of Thrones. <laughs> But uh, Yolanda, when won't I be finish calling. watching Game of Thrones, I can go and create my website, my fan website on squarespace.com. Exactly. Good, good, good. Speaking of websites, I love Demetria's website. Me too, girl. DemetriaLucasDoily.com. Demetria Lucas Doily, because. Yeah, and Ask Demetria is her new video franchise. Yes, I love um, On YouTube. You know, we all know Demetria has all of the answers. We all got questions. Like, questions? Uh, questions. <laughs> we always have questions about life and love, and Demetria is our go to girl for getting them answered online on Instagram, on Facebook. I love Demetria's Facebook rants. It's yes. like she pops up at the top Epic. of my feed, and she could be talking about like a conversation with her mama in the kitchen yep. or something her dear hubby did, but it's always real. So coming up, Demetria and I get real about the state of black love. Nice. So everybody, I have who I always like to say is a very dear friend of mine, friend to the Essence brand, Demetria Lucas Doily. Hello. Demetria, I have to give you like a really dope introduction. Please, I love dope <laughs> you introduction. One. Demetria, I in my mind, she is the black love guru. Because you have been doing this for a long time. Demetria is a love and relationships expert. She is the author of A Bell in Brooklyn. You all know that book. And Don't Waste Your Pretty. Yeah. She is literally the go-to girl for love, sex, relationship, and dating advice. Yes. In the black community and beyond, right? Yes. And she began her career as the relationships editor here at Essence Magazine. So she's back home. I am back home. Visiting us for a little bit. It feels good to be home. You're welcome back, Dee. Thank you, darling. Even though you never really left. You've no, always been I'm always family. like circling around, working on something. I'm always in the family. You can't leave family. And in case you guys do not follow Demetria on social media, which you're crazy if you do not, you should. Shout out to your account, please, Dee. Where should hmm. they follow you? Instagram, Demetria Lucas Doily. So if you're following her, you know that every single day she posts every a day. letter. <laughs> every, I kid you not, even when she's on vacation or out of town, every day Demetria posts a letter from a reader asking her for some love help. Yeah. Or just telling her about some crazy thing that happened to them. Yeah, because sometimes I'm like, okay, but what is your question? Like, you told me some right. craziness, but I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to just vent? Do you Thanks for venting. Like, Thanks, exactly. I, what, do, what is it that you seek here? Yes. So let's just start at the beginning. How did you become the go-to girl for relationship advice, Demetria? Like, how did this come about? Were you always like that friend and your group of friends? You know what? I actually have always been that friend ever since like high school. Like, my mm-hmm. friends would just ask me questions. I guess I'm like... And mind you, my life is sometimes completely a mess. But I am always the same logical one and sort of like think through issues in ways that like some other people may not. Um, and I mean, you've you known break me it for down a while. For them. Like I'm, I'm very. What's the word? I can be very emotionally disconnected, mm-hmm. so I can just see the situation for like what it is. Right. So it's it's easy for me. And I mean, people ask you advice too. So you know, like when you're not Absolutely. in it, it's much easier to answer the question and see like the landscape and all the flaws that are occurring. And you're right. It's like we break it down for them. It's exactly. like you're just like, okay, I, I see what you're going through, and we, you know, we do it with a little love. With love, you know, I see what you're going through, but girl, sometimes tough love, right? Because sometimes people tough just love need is a, necessary. A reminder, 
Yes, of their worth. Yes. So the letters just started rolling in. You had the advice column in the magazine. You've done, I mean, really, like you've been, how many years has it been now? Um, so oddly enough, I started my dating and relationship advice career. I don't think a lot of people know this. Before Essence, I was a book editor for five years and I edited romance novels. Oh, and so there it was. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I edited for Harlequin for three years. Harlequin? For the, yeah, I was an editor at Harlequin. I don't think people like I all don't like even the, feel like I knew that. Yeah, like the dirty, nasty, like the really Look. gritty ones. I was like, don't give me no dry books to read all day. Like I want some some filthy, like entertaining, page turning, you know, bodice ripping type stuff. Best so, yeah. first job ever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, that's how I started out my career. Um, And I was the youngest person in the office. I was one of um, two people of color. Um, And Harlequin runs their shop very, lots of surveys, lots of statistics, lots of studies. They're about um, their business. About their business, totally. Mm -hmm. And there would always be conversations in the office, obviously, about relationships. And it wasn't. The conversations that were happening weren't relatable to me. Like I was younger by 15 years. I was the only person that lived in Brooklyn. I'm one of two black people. So I needed an outlet, and that's mm-hmm. how I ended up starting my blog, A Bell in Brooklyn, which I started, I want to say, up. June one year, and then the not even the following, like six months later, Essence called and asked me to be the relationship editor based off a blog. So... You know, yeah. the same thing happened to me. My really? job with Essence.com was based off my relationship man, wife, advice dog. on manwifeandandog.com. Like, I didn't, I know, didn't that. know we had that in common. Yeah. Oh, we're having a moment oh, here, that's guys. so cute. Um, that's, yeah, and so, yeah, so when you give good advice, people notice. Yeah, well, so at the time, I wasn't giving advice. I was, I was 27. I was single and dating in the city, and... While it was, it was adventurous. Kind of advice, I right? You're sharing your story? I was sharing my stories, but it was like, I had a lot of like really crazy, like <laughs> screwed up stories. And people were like, I cannot believe you're telling all these strangers the all your business. And right. I was like, well, is it really? Because every time I write something, people are like, hey, me too. Um, the advice column actually came while I was working for Essence. And then while I was here, I got my book deal. And to promote my book, I thought I'd start an Ask FM. And people who read the book, it could be sort of like a... Like an like online book club or something like that. So if you didn't understand something or if you wanted to ask the author a question, you know, you could write in to, you know, a, a, at the time, ask FM a bell in Brooklyn and ask whatever you wanted to. Um, that lasted for all of a week. And then people started sending me like dating and advice questions. And I was like, wait, wait, what? What's happening? Like, I, am I qualified <laughs> to answer these? Like, I don't know. And clearly you were because they never stopped. Well, they never stopped. But I also people kept asking me questions and I felt I mean, I knew I had answers to some things, but I, my delivery can be a little, you know, harsh. You, you get to If it. you've met me, I'm very, like, straight into the Blunt. point. Um, but I went back to school to become a life coach, like a certified life coach. I went to IPAC so that I could give people the help in a way that they could best receive it. Like, I actually take she this has the advice receipts, thing. Like, I have guys. my receipts. She has her um, receipts. But I, I really wanted to to take this. I take people's lives and people entrusting me um, with their hopes, their fears, their dirty secrets. I, I take that very seriously. And I want to be of help. Like, so sometimes I'm funny and sometimes I'm sarcastic. Um, but I always want to make sure that I'm being helpful and Service. purposeful. Service. Yeah. In, in my delivery to them. So... Since, you're, since we're trying to help, right, and I, I want to help, you want to help, Demetria, what's up with us? And by us, I mean black women. What's going on with us? What's the state of the black union right now? So, look, so... What's happening? What do we need mind, help with? I edit an advice column that can sometimes get 
sometimes Springer-ish. Like, I'm very clear that sometimes it gets a little off the chain. A little bit, a little, little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Especially if we're reading, like, Barbara Shirley week. Like, things went, like, that was oh my God. disaster. But hilarious. <laughs> like, a lot of clicks. Um, but overall, I think people are actually doing really well. For all of the craziness that comes through my advice column, like, also understand there is a large portion of the population who doesn't need significant help. They have minor issues. Like, he forgot to take the trash out. or right. he lives his pants know, on the floor. Exactly. Help. Like, they just, you right. know, there's no... No major issues going on and they're just not writing in. So if you read my page, like don't think that everyone's in crisis, that everything's like a mess. It's just for some people, they just they really got a need lot going on. Right. You know, and, and they need you now. And they, they need a little help. But there are plenty of people who are just, you know, everything is fine in their mm-hmm. lives. This is Ask FM is what they read in the in the doctor's office, the dentist's office, standing in line at the grocery store, and everything is good with them. So I think overall, I think we're in a good place. Yeah. I think we're we're doing well. I think of course That's there are good. some issues that we might need to work out some communication, some self-esteem, but these are not anything insurmountable that, that cannot be tackled. Like the middle is not We are getting lost. married. We are getting married. And we've always married. gotten married to the majority. So even when they were touting that statistic everywhere. You like, remember that statistic? Yeah, I was hated it? that. It was 42%. You wrote about that. 42%. I wrote about that thing for four years. Oh my God. Tell like, us about I wrote it. about that statistic for four years, but the vast majority of black women always got married. Yes. Like, and I think there was so much they focus on like the single women. It was like, oh, 42%, 42%. black women are single, right? That was the stat, the scary stat. Again, like even with that stat, the the majority of women got married and the majority of black women still do get married at some point. And also, just because you're not married does not mean you're not in a happy, committed relationship. It doesn't mean you're not engaged. It doesn't mean you're like single and living and loving and traveling and just being like, okay, I'm good. I'm not looking. Like, that statistic made it seem like everyone was just in crisis. Like, it was was tragic in these streets. People were scared. I'm good. Like, that statistic would scare people. No, and it was so terrible. Like, everyone, like, because I think until that statistic came out, like, people were like, okay, you know, it might be difficult to meet someone, but I still think there was hope. Right. And then that statistic's everywhere, and people were like, oh, my you know God, what? I'm never getting it. married. Next. Like, oh, my God, there are no men. And yes. I was like, I never felt that. Right. Until, like, all these shows and all these statistics and all these newspaper articles were telling me that, like, I'm never going to get married. And I've been married since then. Like, it's... You know what? It was like a bad game of telephone. Right? Remember that game when you were little? And telephone? everyone got everything like, screwed everybody up on the back wrong. I had friends who come up to me, do you know, girl, none of us are getting married. 75% of us. I'm like, girl. You're like, girl. That's not even the right number. But I already set my date. I got the venue booked. Thank you. (laughs) And congrats, by the way. How many years has it been? It'll be two years. uh, Coming up on two years. Yeah. So, Demetria also got married, you guys. So, that's a double down on those receipts. Life coach. <laughs> and now she's also going through it. And I think what's interesting to point out is when people um, who are in healthy relationships or happy relationships reach out to you, it's because they want to stay that way. Yeah. So, right. We can't. We always sort of assume that when people need relationship advice that there's trouble. Right? Like, we do that with our friends. Like, why are you telling me you need to talk about your relationship? To, we want to improve our yeah. relationship. We want it to last. Hello, happy ever after. Come through. I mean, so... Let's also be really clear. Like, you know, I think we want to. there's the idea that like you get married and then it's happily ever after right. and you never have any issues. But every Wrong. single married person can tell you like Wrong. the issues that were there, if they weren't resolved before mm-hmm. the wedding, they just get worse. Exactly. Or you get like a whole new set of issues because now you're like actually building a life with another person. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as two people who want exactly the same things at all the same time. And, and there's no guidebook. It, 
Husbands do not come with instructions. No, they don't. If what they do, nice? I did not flip over. No one I gave. Still I was looking like, for the tag. Where was that? Where was that wedding <laughs> present? Because that's the exactly. one I need. Where was my marriage manual? Exactly. Like all these ice buckets, the crystal ice buckets. They're beautiful. Thanks but for that. A guide. Can I have a guide? I would like a guide <laughs> on how to do a manual with highlights and little exactly. page number. You know, but no, but truly, it marriage does not come with a guidebook, and that's why I think your columns, your social media columns, are so popular because people want to know. I mean, like, is it just me? What else are people going through? I also when I. I like when I read them, I like the relatability. Mm-hmm. Like it, you maybe maybe I didn't write to you, but that might be my problem. So so you're helping the masses. People won't say it to in public. Like some people will go on my Instagram when I post the question and they'll read all of the comments and then they'll create a private thread or a text thread with their friends and they'll have a whole long discussion and then they'll hit me on the back end with like a summary of everything they talked about. So tons of people find They're the reading. questions relatable. Mm-hmm. They just don't comment publicly but they're reaching people because they'll reach out to me and be like oh just I, you know I saw XYZ blah 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 and I'm like wait what you- I hear people talking about your ask to meet your stuff like you know it's like the water cooler moments it's, at work yeah truly so I was in DC for, for CBC last year and I won't name it was a couple congressmen but there's one in particular she came up and a congresswoman but she comes up and she says oh my god whatever happened with the boy oh. with the, the woman who uh, hid the birth control pills and I was like she ma'am more. ma'am are you at the congressional office reading Ask FM? You're reading this salacious nonsense? Absolutely. Like, yes. yes. Because everybody needs it, Everyone has some sort of relationship drama or it's just interesting to you. Okay, but let's be real. Sometimes advice can be dangerous. Now, obviously, yours is not. But what I love about your advice is that it's very healthy and obviously, like, you're trained to do this. Yeah. But what I don't like overhearing is when other women become, like, that designated friend who gives advice in a group of friends. Mm -hmm. But the advice is terrible. And and we've we've witnessed that a lot. We tend to, you know, we have our circles. We all go to our friends. Like that's like our, you know, that's our our judging squad. Like mm-hmm. this is what happened. What do I do? But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a qualified friend. Like not everyone's gonna have a Demetria or Charlie, you know, or you know, someone in the mix to help them out. So well, I then think what? the girl who gives bad advice, people learn pretty quickly you that it's so? bad advice. I mean, because your life gets more screwed up. Like the idea is supposed <laughs> to, you true. know, fix the situation, and you're like, wait, like. Like, yeah, like, okay, so we were just sort of like, you know, silent argument. Now we're like screaming at each other and he's packing his stuff. Like, I maybe that was not the best advice. You kind of, I think, I mean, you'd learn like to pretty think. quickly. Um, I hope. So one of the things that, that I try to do with my advice is give people the logic for what I'm thinking. So I won't. I mean, sometimes it's just blatant. Like, I'll give like, a nope. Girl. Like, like, girl, you know better <laughs> than stop. this. Like, the lady wrote in yesterday. She was like, I have a boyfriend of three and a half years. He's upset because my best friend wants to do movie night at the house and sometimes sleeps over. And her best friend's a dude. And I was like, in what world do you think this is acceptable? And I was like, ma'am, absolutely not. Have a good day. Exactly. I'm like, I don't feel like I need to explain that to you. You know, right. you know that ain't right. Absolutely. You know. Oh, it's crazy. This is a joke, right? But sometimes people write in and mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I kind of have to like break down. Like, you know, this woman wrote in the other day. She was, um, she's been off and on in a relationship for, I think she said, eight and a half years. And the guy's her friend with benefits and she's sleeping with him because she wants to keep her number low. And he wanted to stop using condoms and for her to go on birth control. And I was like, ma'am, like you absolutely may not, you know, in order to keep your numbers low, have this off on relationship, wasting your life for eight and a half years. And then, well, that and then also to not use condoms with a man who has no even expectation of fidelity or commitment with you. Like that makes no sense. It's like wake up. Like these are little mini wake up calls. Like you have to stay like, okay, sis, stop. Hold on. Wake up, please. Wake up. 
Um, right. And sometimes people you, but... are just like so muddled in their own situation. Like they they can't see the forest, the trees, the flowers, the sky. Like they're just they're just in it and, and they don't get it. And then something I mean, I'm glad she wrote in because something didn't sound right about it to right. her. Um, and sometimes it's, people sometimes people write in and they don't always have. They kind of know the answer to the question, but they they want someone to just sort of validate what they're thinking. And that drives me, it drives me so crazy because I'm like, you are enough. You don't need some outside person, even an advice columnist, a life coach, whoever. You don't need an outside person to validate that what you feel is wrong is wrong. To say these things are not adding up, girl. Like, hello. Hello. Because, you know, you imagine like when I read these, we have a lot of letters that come in for Ask Dr. Sherry as well. Mm -hmm. And they can get pretty crazy. And I sit there and I'm reading and I'm reading. I'm like, you took the time to write this entire story out. Mm -hmm. And you broke down all the red flags right here. They're right here in this email. Exactly. And sometimes I quote stuff back to people. They're like, I'm not happy. I'm miserable. I don't whatever. And I'll just like, that's my response. I'll just quote what they say and be like, you know the answer. You just told me. But you know what, Dee? Maybe it's that they don't have a sounding board. Like we're talking about like, is it the bad friend? Like you don't have a good friend with good advice. Maybe it's that they don't have that sounding board. Like, you know, we can't assume that everyone has someone to talk to. That may be why people really do need to reach out or read what other people are asking. Are asking. You know, I, I think that's true. I also think People are, especially black women, there's so much uh, shame and blame around being single or about having relationship issues or something. And you don't want to go to your inner circle and say, you know, he's cheating or he's doing this or whatever. You don't want to tell someone. But so all the questions that come in to me, completely anonymous. I can't see the IP code. I can't trace them if I wanted to. So you can tell me all your deep, dark, personal business. I don't know what continent you're on. I know know nothing that you don't tell me. Is that you, girl? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people out themselves, which I was like, that's really oh, weird. That. <laughs> they'd be like, that's me. And be like, ma'am, you should probably do that. Never do that. Like on Instagram? Oh, on no. Well, on Instagram. And Instagram can be vicious sometimes. Um, but yeah. also on like my, I have a private Facebook page as well um, where people are just really unfiltered. These are like my friends from like high school and blah, blah, blah. But they get, yeah. Now, guys, please, just a little PSA. Don't out yourself. Because yeah. I have enough trouble. I think, I mean, and you let me know if you go through this. You really don't, you want to share with your friends, but you also don't want your friends to judge you. And you're right. Yeah. It may be something that they don't understand. Maybe something they haven't gone through. Yeah. Or maybe something that they would just handle differently. And you don't always want to tell them. Well, also, like, so let's going be through. honest. Like, you're... There are some things that happen in your relationship, like your dude completely screws up or you completely screw up. And you don't want people who are going to be at movie night or at Thanksgiving to be looking at y'all crazy. Right. And so, holding that grudge. And holding that grudge. Because you can let it go and be like, oh, I love him. Right. And blah, blah, but blah. they never do. But your family is just never. like, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I remember when you. Five years ago. Exactly. They don't let it go. <laughs> they do not let it go. So, I mean, I, I get like why people write in to, right. you know, anonymously or, or to advice columns in general. I just really feel like when it comes to advice, sometimes the most common problems are the problems that everyone has and they don't really want to say that they have. Mm -hmm. So what are like your top five? Like what are the things people constantly need help with? Is it getting out of a relationship, getting into one, having better sex? Like what's up? Um, I would say definitely getting into a relationship. Mm -hmm. That dating phase is so I guess probably trying to establish a relationship. I get a lot of I've been dating him anywhere from like three months to two years and you know I don't have a title I don't have a commitment um friends with benefits friends with benefits a lot of questions about friends with benefits a lot of people are just very unclear like they want their like I want more sex to my friend with benefits I want more time spent I want him to spend the night and I was like you're you're asking for boyfriend privileges from a guy who's whose primary function by title is to provide good sex yeah right 
Um, His, he has one job. Yeah, he's, one job <laughs> that he better be doing well. <laughs> right. or, you know, sometimes people write in and be like, you know, I'm like, I'm not sexually satisfied with my friends with benefits. And I'm like, Find whoa, one? like that didn't make any sense. Yeah, like, then, like you have no commitment. You have right. no dates. Like he has one you job and he's not doing babe. that well. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I was like, if you can find... Yeah, that's easy to find. Good sex. Commitment is hard to find. Good sex is plentiful in these streets. So um, friends with benefits, finding a man. Finding a man. Um, so wait, can we just give them some like on-the-spot blessings here, Demetria? Where do they find a man? I love your answer to this there question. There is no warehouse. There we go. Like, people you cannot saying, go to Amazon.com. Exactly. Like, people keep asking, like, where do, I find, like, where do I find good <laughs> men? And I'm like, if there was a warehouse, there would be women down the block, Line around up. the corner. Like, you would never be able to get inside. Ever. Um, 24 hours. Guys are everywhere. And you you don't know if someone's good or bad or dateable or, or compatible or not unless you, you have to meet them and converse with them. And that's really the only way to tell like I wish I could say there's like a really grand place I will say this if you want to tip the odds of meeting men in your favor you kind of need to go places where there are lots of men like and my favorite place to recommend one. is tech conferences yes. like so you know they're they're kind of nerdy right like Hello. Thank you. South by Southwest. South by I was Southwest. like, oh my God, it's a sausage fest in here. And like, so <laughs> they're kind of, they're a little nerdy, which isn't a bad trait in a guy, right? They spend a lot of time at home in front of a computer. They're right. not running the streets. They're obviously honest. I mean, about who they are. They're at Comic-Con. They're like, hey, I'm full they're, nerd here. And that, you can I'm, work with that. Like, <laughs> right, that's something exactly. you can work with. Like, I'm a stripper on the side. Not so much. Yeah. I like to dress up in this costume every right. once in a while. And I'm really into this TV right. show and film. Awesome. Right? Absolutely. And then like the tech guys too, like you figure they kind of got good earning potential, right? Like Clearly. everyone's trying to like they're trying to build a site, make an app. Like the money is coming if it's not exactly there yet. like you you could probably mess around <laughs> and get a six figure check there. There you go. So there's not Which a lot of black guys. Not there. a negative. So, I mean, if you're a black woman and you only date black men, like that might not be the best place to go if that's all you're interested in. But if you're just a woman who's looking for like a cute guy who like he, he'll get his confidence. He's a little nerdy, but he'll get his confidence together and he'll come over. Like. It was very weird. Tech conferences. Tech conferences. There's nothing but men. It's like 90% men. It's awesome. And we're at the end of the season right now, but I feel like, you know, there's the a New tech Year's conference coming up. Everywhere. There's always Go something, travel. right? Go there's travel. always it's a tech conference. Summer in South Start Africa. Start Googling <laughs> girls. Get, get ready. Get your ticket deal and go. Because that's not a bad idea. I think even a music festival. Anything where there are just going to be people from everywhere. From everywhere, Yeah. Because people tend to do tend to blame their location on their single. Foot. I mean, also too, like get out of the house. Like that's I think the most important thing. Like I was in D.C. recently, and I went to um, the the National Art Smithsonian. What, I'm trying to think the name, National Art Gallery, because no one could get into the African American Museum, right? The, so the you tickets just moved are, on, right? It's sold out forever. It's very black. The portrait gallery and the <laughs> really? art museum. Like there's a black person or a black portrait or something black in like every room in the gallery, and there's like a Harlem jazz thing. There's like. There's, it's very black. So if you can't get into, like, the African-American Museum, Portrait Gallery, Art Museum, still get your blackness filled. There's, like, a whole shrine to Toni Morrison. It's, it's amazing. Um, but black guys. Like, tons right of black there. guys. Like, in the museum, just walking around. Appreciating and I was like, art. The African-American Museum has made going to museums, like, the new hot thing. Yeah. Like, on Instagram, like, all my friends are constantly in museums. And I was like, oh, okay. So, ladies, go get you an artsy brother. Go, get you an artsy Demetria brother. Get just, you a tech brother. Okay. Demetria just gave you two roadmaps to love. Okay, guys? I hope you were listening. Or just go outside. I mean, there are men everywhere. Like, you just kind of have to open your eyes and, you know, be like, hey. Well, you know, when people ask me that, I always say, did you break your routine lately? Because we literally, I mean, if we if we mm-hmm. watch ourselves, we go the same way to work. We stop at the same lights. We get coffee at the same time at the exactly. same 
same place. We go to the same happy hour bar with our girlfriends or whatever after work. We do exactly the same things. All the time. All the time. So you are also bumping into all the same people People. who do those same things all the time. No, I think it's so interesting. My, um, like, you know, my single girlfriends who are on, like, all the the dating apps and such. Like, was it Bumble? Is Bumble the one everyone's on? I think so. Yeah, okay, so Bumble. Okay. Mm -hmm. All my girls like Bumble. I don't know what it is. I don't get it. Because I've been out the game since, like, the rise of dating apps. It's, like, so (laughs) weird. So whenever I see Okay, we have to touch on that next, too. That's my situation, too. No, so here's my favorite thing. So when I'm with, like, my single girlfriends, I take their phone and I start swiping people. Don't you love it? Like, it's so fascinating. I'm like, I can just, like, swipe. I I can just, like, swipe. It's just, it's so Like, I got you, girl. Hold on. Give me your phone. While you go to the bathroom, it's happening. No. I do that all the time. But they're like, you can't swipe him. I'm like, oh, but he's cute. He looks like a husband. He looks like husband material. We can. We have nothing. You know, Once you get married, doesn't everyone, you can be like, oh, that's not husband. Oh, he's husband. Oh, he's yeah. husband. He's a good husband. He I even husband. tell my friends, I say, I'm the best wing woman. Yes. Absolute best wing woman in the world. Because married people have no fear. Like, I have there's no nothing invested. Fear. I can walk over and be like, hey, hi, you're gorgeous. And my friend over there is gorgeous. Exactly. And you're both single. Let's do this. And if he says, you know, I'm not interested, he didn't hurt my feelings. Exactly. This ring is still snug on my face. Exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. That's I'll laugh fine. about it later. With I mean, my I did husband. that when I was single. I didn't really like care. I'm like, it's just a guy. He I says yes or he says no. Right. But even so, we are the best. But now there's no fear whatsoever but what i love about like swiping apps is that people that live in their neighborhood they'll be introduced to and it's like right you never there. saw him because you walk one way to the subway exactly. at the same time every day and if you just gone the other gym. day you would have like walked by this guy's exactly. apartment or his building at some point and if you walk by him you have to actually look at him because we are like dead face in our phones yeah, well in new york you need to be dead face or else you're like attract all the crazy but like <laughs> but anywhere after, else like go from like dead face to like big bright smile exactly. like i mean so the guy knows like it's directed at me she's right. smiling at me and or then, even eye contact right we eye contact do pay him anymore. a compliment like and men like anything like just pay them any sort of attention and they're i like your haircut do you when did you get your haircut you could where'd you get your morning. shirt from anything any, it, that's the end okay. men don't have off times like women will be like no I need my coffee first like don't holler at me before noon like I'm with it. people like men are like I, I'm with my mother Let's I do don't it. care I'm with my child I don't care men, <laughs> she just said hi to me attractive woman speaking <laughs> to me to, now's the time <laughs> ding, 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 now ding, ding, ding. is the time right they're not wasting any time but I really want to go back to what we were talking about like single like single friends when mm-hmm. you're married and vice versa do you ever feel like you have gotten so far removed from the single world that you don't know what the struggle in those streets like are you all Always prepared to give advice because I've heard a few married women say like, "Oh, I've been married too long. I, I don't know. I just don't even know about that world anymore." Because so I don't have the personal stories anymore. But like anything remotely weird, different, new, anything happening, single world. Like I mean, I get probably like three hundred questions a day on Ask FM. I can't answer even all of them. So if there's right. like the slightest tick and like something new going on, then you I'm I'm it. pretty much informed. And a lot of my friends are single. Um, I. I didn't want to be, and I, it would be gross to like drop all your single friends because you got married. I know. I'm just like, who am I supposed to hang out with? Like, because they didn't get married, like I can't have friends anymore. Like, but I still see people complaining about that. I've seen single women say, you know, all my friends got married, and now they feel like they can't relate to me. You know, or they're because they're all married, and I'm still single. They're just pushing me to get married. But I love being single. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's still a problem. You're right, and you, you know, you are totally accurate. Keep your girlfriends. You know, don't I, be that friend, <laughs> ladies. But it happens. You know, I said on Facebook once, and and some of my married friends got really mad at me and I was like sometimes married women drive me nuts with that like oh well like as a married woman like and all they talk about is like being married and husband and it's like well one like I know the ins and outs of that relationship so you can't pull the I'm married card on me because I know sometimes it's it's real rocky you've seen behind the curtains exactly I've seen behind the curtains for a very long time so let's not (laughs) let's not pull that card with me but also I think sometimes like everything gets filtered through this like I'm married I'm married I'm married lens and it's just like you you haven't always been married right like you know oh 
single women can't be around my husband. I'm like, okay, when you were single, were you like trying to like hump everybody's husband? Like, or were you just living? Exactly. Like, um, it's like they forget. Don't yeah. forget. Don't forget where like, you came don't from. Don't forget. That's another I mean, version of that. Divorce rate it, it, being what it is, you could go back. Like, don't forget. Don't don't get too too mighty and high on that whole marriage. Seriously, thing. but you know, on the flip side, okay, I'm gonna be really honest here, and I hope my single friends don't hate me. Sorry, guys, I love <laughs> you, but I don't always want to share my marriage problems with my single girlfriends. Okay, because there are some moments I feel like they may not understand yet. Okay, doesn't mean that they're incapable of saying, "Hey, well." do what's right for you or do what makes you feel good, girl, or Mm -hmm. listen. I mean, it's great to have people who can listen. But there are moments where I don't think they can relate yet. But I think they will be able to. So sometimes I tend to keep some of that stuff to myself or I'll wait until I catch up with you or, you know, a married girlfriend. And just because there's that that relatability moment, right? Do you ever find that? Um, True for you? So my criteria for for sharing and asking advice is, is are you sane and are you happy? Because, like, I know a lot of people who are married who ain't necessarily happy. True. And, like, their solution, like, oh, we got into a big argument. And they're like, leave, leave. And I'm like, okay, that's what you want to do. Like, you... (laughs) Leave him, girl. Exactly. Like, like, you need to, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, address your own situation because, like, I shouldn't, like, be leaving him. Always run from the friend that says leave him before you finish your Yeah, because he didn't, like, clean the bathroom. Like, that's not a leavable offense. He left his pants on the floor. Leave him. Like, ma'am. He didn't wake me up this morning. Leave him. You're like, okay, Like, ma'am, just calm down. (laughs) Calm down. But Everybody just talk to him. Woman. Everybody just talk. knows her. Um, but no, I, I like sane people. I like people who are positive um, and who are just insightful. So one of my really good friends from college, I mean, we've been friends for like 17 years now. He's married. Um, I asked him for advice. He got married two years before I did. And he's just a very logical person. And he gives me like, you know, the guy insight. Um, one of my other friends is not married, doesn't want to be married, is chilling. But she's just, she has good insight. And she's just like, you know, Okay, like, and when, like, mind you, like, I am a dating advice expert, I'm a relationship expert, I write books, I answer questions, but for my own-ish, like, (laughs) again, in my head, in my life, like, sometimes you just can't see everything because it's happening to you. Right, it's too close. So I go to, I go to her, and she, like, breaks down a lot of stuff for me, and she's comfortable telling me, like, you know, you know you're wrong. No, you know you're wrong. Right. And I'm like, but no, no, and she's like, but no. You're wrong. You need to go apologize. You need to. I have a friend like that. And I hate it when she starts that sentence exactly. because I know it. I, have I don't want to be wrong. And I have to go apologize to my husband. And I know, you know where this you're is wrong. This is the thing, up. too. Like, you know you're wrong. <laughs> uh-huh. But you want somebody to tell you you're yeah, right. To like, you want to be and they like, won't. Yeah, they're like, they no, won't. no, no. Demetria, it is always a pleasure Aww. to speak to see you, spend time with you, and to get some tea and some advice. You yes. told everybody where the, men, where the men are. Thank you. You're so welcome. But before you go, we have a segment at the end of the show called Love Notes. Okay. Where we just like to say, just let's, what's that moment, that nugget? Like, ladies, listen up in one sentence. This is what you need to know right now about your journey. Find love. You know, I, I would say don't waste your pretty. Mm. Like, I mean, it's the title of the book, but it's also... You know, when I when I say pretty, sometimes people think I'm just talking about looks. But I mean your time, your energy, your emotional investment, your praying hands, your cooking skills, your space, your car, all of <laughs> those things. Them. Like, understand that those are valuable assets that you bring to the table. And sometimes we don't always look at them for the value that they are. But the people we're dating, they want access to them. Understand that you have value, that you bring something to the table, and you should only be dealing with people who practice reciprocity. So you should be getting something out of whatever you're expending. Absolutely. Cosign. Thank you so much, Dee. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. 
Thanks to our special guests, Denai Gurira and Demetria Lucas-Doyley. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Remy Ma, Nisi Nash, Sanaa Lathan. You can find these on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Keep it cute. (laughs) Thanks to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. And thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Squarespace. Please support them the way you support this podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, loves.